The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back to Brutal Nation, the podcast series that's dedicated to the lesser-known serial killers and acts of true crime. I am your host, the illustrious, the one, the only, the looking very bald today, Scott Alexander. And right across from me is the one and the only, the Sasquatcharella herself, Princess Sasquatch Tammy Underwood. Say, er, Tam. I can't. Hi, everybody. No, you just said bald, Scott, and I was like... Oh, my God. Has he been reading my notes? <laughs> oh, hold on. The best thing was yesterday when I made that joke to Jake and I called him a woman. And it no. took him like fucking 15 minutes. All of a sudden from my kitchen, I hear, wait a minute. Did you just call me a woman? <laughs> well, oh, even after you said it, I said, hey, Nancy, how's it going in there? He didn't like, even respond. Like that's four score and fucking 10 jokes ago, dude. Nine years. Nine <laughs> years later. <laughs> All right, so today he gave me the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury. Yeah. All right. Shoot it at me. Oh, I was finishing this sentence. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, because... You, type faster. You type type faster. faster. Not same, same. Um, what? None. Jake's just being fucking retarded. He pointed no, out a crowd. Remember I was telling you I was hearing this, like, high... Yeah, no, I had this high-pitched whine in my ear. I went like this, and it popped. It's really weird, because every time you talk, I hear a high-pitched whine in my ear. Oh, is it a high-pitched whine? It's not a bear <laughs> growling in the forest, well, Mr. I fig- Camper? Figure that's oh, you know, dick. Yeah, that's a fucking goddamn grizzly bear shit going on. All right, okay, so anyway, tell me about the Mad Butcher. Mad Butcher Kingsbury run. Okay, so I was thinking the other day, this is kind of my introduction to this, that I don't read, because when, when I started reading about this, I was like, you know, I can't remember a time when I wasn't fascinated with true crime in general. You know, don't get me wrong. I know when and how I became interested in serial killer cases specifically, because we've talked about that. I just can't remember why I've always had an interest in true crime. Because you have bodies buried in your basement. That was our secret, Scott. It's all the people who've actually seen the Sasquatch. Okay, that's between you, me, and our listeners. Don't tell anybody out there, listeners. That's right. It's our, it's our special it's secret. Our, it's our special secret. <laughs> Anyways, so when I say that I've been reading, studying, researching, and writing about crime and criminals for many years, I'm not exaggerating. Um, since we launched this show in Ju- on June 28, 2021, we featured at least 145 cases. Some of them have double cases in there. Of those 145 cases, I think I can name one to two of them that have baffled me. Okay? For the most part, they all follow a pattern, even the unsolved ones. Mm-hmm. Okay? I'll admit, when I researched episode 13, you know which one I'm talking about. Is that until... No, episode 13. I can't remember. The tube sock killer. Oh, God damn it. I knew you were going to bring the fucking tube sock killer back into this. It's a bullshit case. No. Fucking... See, Lucas until didn't baffle me. No, but listen, so when I researched that one, I was baffled. There were so many anomalies in that case that my head began to spin. However, thinking about it and discussing our thoughts on air, things began to make more sense. Especially when I looked at it, it's like, you know what? He's right. There are two people. It would have to be. Yeah. There have also, there have been a couple of other cases that have made no sense to me either. However, those are usually the cases that don't seem to have any rhyme or reason. Um, for instance, when the perpetrator suddenly switches up their MO, you know, or mm-hmm. evolves out of order, 
or de- or like regresses in their pattern. That actually, those are what bother me because I believe everything has an order. Well, yeah, I'm just saying those are the ones that they just kind of bother me. They bother me because of my OCD, man. Yeah. <laughs> Typically, though, when it comes to killers, more specifically serial killers, there is a definite pattern. You know, you can pretty much... Oh, I get into it here in a second. Um, There's a reason why profilers give age, sex, ethnicity, and sometimes economic parameters when discussing a a perpetrator's victim pool. For example, over the past two months... This is a a fake crime. People don't start searching in Oregon for this crime because it's not true. For example... This is a fake crime. Over the past two months, four female prostitutes have been found murdered and discarded near the homeless camp on I-5 in Delta Park. You know what I'm talking about. God it's your favorite damn it. Area. Yes, I do. I see that bullshit every fucking day. <laughs> no, I, you know, I chose this whole scenario because of you. There might be a murder there because I keep looking at them and seriously, I want to douse them all in gasoline and set them on fire. I could so shoot you right now. <laughs> I can take a target out from a pretty far distance. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. So, you know, I said the old, and then I go in to say the oldest one was 32 years old and the youngest one was 26 year old. All of them were white with long, dark, curly hair. Okay. Then all of a sudden, a 21 year old black female college student's body is found on the campus of PCC Rock Creek. Or a 48 year old husky, bald, white guy with a goatee and earrings is discovered posed on the bricks of Pioneer Square. Fuck you right there. <laughs> Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Why do I have to be posed? Why? Why me? Why am I posed? Because that we want to paint something... you like a French model. That means they did something sexual and deviant to me. <laughs> Anywho, my point Asshole. is, it's extremely unlikely, though, that the last two murders I talked about were committed by the same individual that committed the first four. Right, even if they died under similar yeah, means. E- like, even yeah, if... even if they were all strangled to death or all shot to death. Yeah, or all stabbed. Yeah, the... doesn't matter. The, the, the victim profile is vastly different. Vastly. Because what we see repetitively time and time again is a similar victim pattern. Um, yes. Like when we're talking like um, Arthur Shawcross. Yes. John Arthur Shawcross. His was... Except for the two children. His was attractive females that were alone. Yes. And then he got the... He got the, the, the two children. The, the two kids as well. And then he went to prostitutes. But he, he was kind of attracted to younger kids kind of all along. I think he That's kind of was too, but I think he didn't go back to killing kids after he killed the first two because it took, he didn't take I'm very long for Aykroyd. him to I'm thinking of Aykroyd. I'm sorry. I was, I was thinking of Aykroyd. Oh, no. I was thinking of Shawcross. No, no. I, you, you were right. Sha- no, no. Shawcross was. Because I think yeah. he didn't kill kids again because he got caught so quickly the first time. Right. Because he. Yeah, he, he, had, to, he had to adjust. He figured out exactly what we figured out is that nobody cares about what we call the throwaway yeah, people. Yeah, the prostitutes and yeah. everything. Yeah. The prostitutes and the homeless and, and things like exactly. that. Exactly. Drug one, addicts, prostitutes, homeless. Because he, he had the, he had the one crazy. A homeless lady that he said, I hired her to clean my apartment and, you know, she stole from me and that's why I killed her. Right. And then, but the rest of them were prostitutes or they were all hookers. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. Ackroyd, I think he just liked killing people, period. He He, didn't have a victim pool. He just got to throw a lot of killing. I'm pretty sure that his was sexually motivated. Oh, I'm pretty sure a lot of it was too. But um, no, with Shawcross. With Shawcross. It's a very specific victim pool because you don't see his victim pool traveling out of throwaway people. You don't well, see no, that. But you, well, you did in the beginning, but oh, you know, but it's like as kids. soon as he realized that, hey, that's not going to work. I think that's when he adjusted, right? Uh, adapted and overcame. Uh, no, totally. Yeah. But you know, and that's what I'm talking about. Is, is the very yeah. end right there? His end game. 
It was a very, very specific yeah, totally. victim. You didn't see him. Nobody's ever said. And then he attacked Martha, who was a well-off widow yeah. that lived uh, in the great side of town. Nothing like that. Yeah. My he eyes had, are itching like crazy. Man. It, it's, a, it's a very, very specific victim. Well, and yeah. that's normally what most serial killers follow. Well, and even with Caesar Bruni, remember when I told you that I didn't think he had killed that one lady, that, uh, the one out by um, Vernonia, because she was young and... Um, of colored descent. Right. That's not the right yeah, victim Yeah, she pole. wasn't old. Yeah. She wasn't white. You know? My eyes are itching. Fucking Baroni for people ta- who, I Baroni's mean, taking out my goddamn dating pool. That's right, damn it. My eyes are itching because my, my brother's cat is a little bitch. Her brother has a fucking mountain lion. You know, my has. brother has a cat that I've only seen twice, and but I have hair all over me from It's it. from a mountain lion. Nothing pees that big of puddles. Oh, you should have seen the one I pulled out of the litter box today. It was like that big. Yeah, that's a goddamn mountain that's lion. A, is what that, that was is. bigger than my son's head when he was born. No, just kidding. Um, anyways, <laughs> Football head. So for that reason, this case here baffled me from the beginning. It's like hopefully by presenting it and discussing it, it'll make it a little bit more sense to me, but I don't think it will. Then I hope there's enough, but if it doesn't, maybe there's enough tequila over there to get me drunk and I'll just forget about it altogether. Um... <laughs> Now, Cleveland, Ohio citizens had their world turned upside down between 1934 and 1938. Those were the years when residents of one area crawled into bed every night wondering if they'd wake up to see another day. A majority of Cleveland's indigent citizens were from the shantytown known as Kingsbury Run, and that is the precise area where an unknown killer terrorized a community and hunted for his victims. Since the murders were grotesque and deviant in their nature, some are surprised they remain unsolved to this day. Um, think about this. For approximately four or five years in the state of Ohio, during the mid to late 30s, authorities discovered the partial remains of 13 individuals. Every corpse was missing their head. Some were bisected at their waist. And some clearly had their genitalia mutilated, and most were dismembered completely. That's nothing to lose your head over. I know. That's, that's no way to get a leg up on life. Hey, can you give me a hand? Oh. My bad. Chin up, chin up. <laughs> Got your head up, head up. Sorry. Anyways, now you mean, oh, of the 13 victims, six were male and seven were female. Okay, you got my attention yeah. now. That's an odd. 12 were white, one was African American. That's what bothered me from the very beginning. Okay, obviously you can see the look on my face. Because yeah, that's... that's exactly why it bothered me too. The only thing they had in common was they all were from this destitute area of Cleveland. That doesn't... Okay, don't keep going. I'm, I'm, now, I'm, i got to fucking pick this oh, one wait. apart in my brain. Oh, no, because I have the profile on everything. Everything. <laughs> I, I tell you, Scott, I tell you everything. Anyways. Everything. Then we give you fry rye. No, I tell you everything. Um, let's see. everybody else. Where was I? I lost my part. Please. Oh, there we go. Um, yeah. So, okay. And anyways, like I said, even though it's believed that the Mad Butcher only murdered 13 people during that four to five year time span, some believe the number of victims is actually closer to 20. As a matter of fact, they didn't even associate the first victim discovered as one of his victims until later. 
Oh, wow. Way okay. later. Um, now, let's go on here. What makes this case even more frightening and heartbreaking to me is this. Of the 13 people authorities have definitively linked to the same killer, only two of them have been positively identified to this day. Holy shit. Yeah. They are either listed as John Doe or Jane Doe with a number behind their name. Fuck. I know. Isn't that sad? I know. I'm almost going to cry. One, two, what? Slices. Oh, two. Thank you. I can one, two, what? <laughs> um, anyways, so. That, you would think, though, that somebody would have reported a missing Well, I think I, there's more to it than that. And I think, I, I mean, you'll understand a little bit more, but, but it, it, it just 30s. saddens me. And it, but it's the 30s. Yeah, so. but it still saddens me. It's like, because to me, I believe everybody out there deserves to have somebody that cares, that would notice that they were missing. You know what I mean? We would notice if I was missing. Oh, I would. Because then who the hell would give me a headache every day and call me at 630 in the morning saying, Squash, time to get up. Carpe the diem. Because it's meeting time. We do our phone meetings in the morning. I know. I've gone through half of my day by 6.30. I know. And I wasn't trying to argue with you this morning. I just didn't think you were understanding me because I was still half asleep. No, that's all good. <laughs> okay, anywho, that's what you get for talking to me in my sleep. You called me, by the way, this morning. Fucker. Oh, I did, didn't I? Yeah. My bad. I was still asleep. Okay, anyways. <laughs> now, considering... And I'll get into it in a minute. They... Decide, there was a significant rise in crime in the area, in the Kingsborough Run or Cleveland area during this time. So, somebody who was famous for, um, who was instrumental in a famous case in Chicago was brought in to take over the police force in Cleveland, Ohio. Do you want to know who it is? Don J- uh, Dillinger. Don Dillinger was public enemy, number one. Oh, okay. No, my bad. No, it was Elliot Ness in his cocktail oh, yeah. dress. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Anyways. I like nipple um, clamps. So when the victims were discovered, Mr. Untouchable himself led the investigation of what has come to be known as the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run or the Cleveland Torso Murders. Um, when these murders happened, the entire police force of Cleveland, the powerhouse Ness, and all the citizens of of the area were desperate to find a name and face to the killer terrorizing the area. Sadly, everyone would be shown precisely how powerless they truly are when they face a cunning, sadistic sexual predator. Well, I want to throw this in there for our listeners is that yeah, keep in mind, it's, it's the 1930s. Like in, in, Oh, I'll get into it here in a minute. We're in 2022. Right. We're pretty desensitized to like, if it, we're we're all going to be shocked if we hear something like, okay, hey, um, a chopped up body was found in in Portland. Da da. We're going to be, oh, that's pretty fucked up. But in the 1930s, oh my god, yeah, that was big fucking news, dude. They had the, fr- I mean, when the gangsters killed each other at the freaking um, St. Valentine's Day massacre, everybody was shocked and right. You know, yeah. now if you have a bunch of gangbangers fucking shooting each other, well, it's that's like just another ba- day in Portland. That's that's North Portland. I've- I get notifications on my phone, and it's like I'll get like sometimes three a day. Another body, it's like, oh well, you know, maybe they'll stop killing each other when they're all dead. Yeah, yeah maybe. But no, I, I, I wanted to throw that in there so people yeah. you know, don't go, well, why is this a big deal? Well, it is for the 1930s. Yeah, it is. It's fucking huge. I mean, and if we had 13 people turn up dismembered, decapitated, and mutilated in Vancouver today, we'd be shocked. 
Yeah, no, that would that would shock. I me. mean, I mean, it wouldn't. It wouldn't even shock if it was me. amongst the homeless camps. It, it wouldn't shock me if it was in Florida because I would just assume that no. one of the Floridians fucking grabbed some think bodies. Florida is part of the U.S. I would just assume they grabbed some bodies out of the morgue, like because it's fucking Florida. True. <laughs> I love Florida. Love you guys in Florida, and they're all old over there. There you Florida go. Florida and Arizona have no tax for senior citizens, assholes. I'm feeling very senior citizen because right they, now. They are very they're retirement states. Anyways, um in 1938, when it's believed the last victim of this unidentified killer was murdered, the concept of behavioral analysis and psychological profiling was becoming a light bulb moment with the law enforcement officials to say it was in the on the fringes of development is an understatement especially since the neo-freudian psychologists were just starting to emerge now you i know you probably know what neo-freudian is yep. but for those who don't know it's people who agree with freud's concepts but have their own twist to them right so which, they don't they think that yeah maybe some things could be sexual in nature just not i want to have sex with my mom nature. right and I, I believe it or not, I, I agree with some things, some things that Freud said because it's, it's very relevant. But, I just don't yeah. believe myself. I was going to say, but when you start reading um, almost all of his stuff, you do see the pattern of, yeah, yeah, almost incestuousness. I don't believe that everybody, because they're having a problem, wants to have sex with a parent. No. I or any, you know, whatever. I don't yeah, it's, it's, it's or or ludicrous. because they have an issue with something or a psychological problem that it stems from some sort of a, you know, type of sexual abuse or whatever. Right. I so don't that, believe that. I don't think that everything happens because mm-hmm. of anything that happens when you're a kid. Yeah. You know, uh, you, like we can we can talk Freud we all day long. We can talk Freud. Day. I was going to say that we could talk Freud yeah. all day long and debunk half his shit. <laughs> yeah, no, easily. I, I did that when I, I mean, was in I'm college. not saying he wasn't a good psychologist for his time, but we've evolved past that. I wrote counterpoint to to his theories when I was in college. Actually, did I you think really it's like fucking did it first year psych. I was going to uh, say psychology. Was it a fucking thesis by the time you were done? Just about. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Actually, though. my professor said, "Look, you know that's." We we I, I appreciate all the work that you put into it. That's pretty fucking long, dude. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, a little bit, but I, you know, yeah, all this stuff's bullshit. Yeah. So that's when people were just starting to delve into studying the development of human personality, and the European advancements in forensic science were just starting to be introduced here in the U.S. Thank you. Um, there are just some issues. These are just some issues. Thank you. I'll just put it right here that factor in into understanding just how unprepared law enforcement in general and Ness specifically was for the unknown subject referred to as the butcher. Because remember, he had just captured was instrumental in capturing Al Capone. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, Al Capone was a known individual, a known criminal. Yeah, I know. But when you're facing something, you don't even know what the fuck or who the fuck it is. Yeah, it's, it's a, a total different dichotomy. It's a, it's a different ball game when you have yeah. a known commodity. Yes. As opposed to yes, you know, a tube sock killer. Still pisses me off that we even have to talk about that again. <laughs> Jake, can I get a napkin, please? You know, um, it's it's a totally totally yeah. different. Uh, it's a different animal. Yeah, totally. I mean, because even though I mean. Because I look at it this way. It's a known commodity. I know what hot peppers and green peppers will do to my system, Mm -hmm. but there's an alternative, you know? Right, right, right. If I didn't know, I wouldn't have an alternative. You know what I mean? Exactly. So there you go. So um, 
A killer we now know had a fantasy or deviance that rivaled Jack the Ripper in a victim pool as random and faceless as the pool H.H. Holmes drew from. Sweet. Yeah. So with everything working in favor of a murderer and against the authorities, is it any wonder why we still don't know who carved up unsuspecting victims in the in an area where people were already struggling to survive from the day from one day to the next? It was me. You know? I'm busted. I knew you were older than what you told me you were. Please. <laughs> He's already told people I have bodies in my backyard. I have, yeah, I do have a backyard. Um, and in order to just understand what was happening during that time when the mad butcher struck Cleveland, we need to go back a couple years before the murders began. Thursday, October 24th, 1929, Black Thursday. That was a day in American history when the first wave of panic hit nervous investors and a record-breaking 12.9 million stock shares were traded on Wall Street. And people thought, hey, this is as bad as it's going to get. Nah. Five <laughs> days later. Yeah, that's when the stock market October crashed. 29th, 1929, a.k.a. Black Tuesday, the second wave of panic struck investors on Wall Street and prompted an additional 16 million stock shares to be traded. And when this happened, it effectively crashed the market and brought a halt to American industry. Yep. And we think we have it bad today. We do have it bad. Not as bad as they did back then. I don't have a private jet. White people problem, Scott. That's called a first world problem. Oh, my God. Why can't you take my serious problem seriously? No, I really am upset that you don't have a jet because, you know, I can't fly anywhere I want to. I just want to fly with hookers and dope everywhere. Is that so wrong? I just want no, to fly. <laughs> <laughs> God, we're so bad. And I'm so tired, I would let you go on today. Um, over the next several years, almost every adult across the nation had either dumped their investments or stopped investing altogether. Since a lot of people had lost everything during the crash of 29, consumer spending had dropped significantly. Since nobody was spending money, industrial output declined as companies struggled to survive, and many didn't. When products weren't being purchased, there were no demands on the supplies companies manufactured. As a result, employment rates dropped as well. After all, a company can't be expected to keep its doors open and pay its employees to produce things that won't be bought, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. After everything was said and done, the Great Depression de began in 1929 and wouldn't be considered over until 1939. When one looks into the economic struggles during that decade, it's safe to say 1933 was the lowest possible point in the 10-year span. To put it in perspective, 1933, in 1933, 15-plus million Americans were out of work. The chance of finding any sort of employment was more than anyone dared hope for, not to mention nearly half of the banks in the United States had failed, and those who had any sort of savings built up lost it all anyhow. Because, you know, banks didn't have FDIC back then. It didn't matter if they invested in stock market or not. They, everything was gone, which is why my grandma never threw away a fucking margarine dish. But um, I don't want to get into how Cleveland, Ohio, compares to the rest of the country during that entire 10 years that made up the Great Depression. However, I do want to look at the specific time frame the murders were committed. By 1934, even though things didn't seem to be getting worse, nobody was getting their hopes that things were going to get better. You know, they were just stagnant. 
Jobs were still very few and far between across the nation. However, the Midwest region, which includes Cleveland, seemed to be hit the hardest. Even though the economy probably could have recovered rather quickly if people had lost just their money, however, they lost their jobs. They didn't have a way to earn any more money, and as a result, many lost their homes. Um, in order to avoid being homeless, people began to establish smaller makeshift communities and admit it, people of that generation were more industrious than we are. Um, since they had lost nearly everything, they weren't going to let little things go to waste. Rather than living on the streets, sleeping on the sidewalk, or pitching a tent on the highway or in someone's lawn, Amer can tell I have a problem with that. Americans across the country used what resources they could find. They gathered up pieces of discarded wood, scraps of aluminum, um, bits of cardboard and strips of canvas, and they used all of these materials to make their own dwellings, you know, between the dilapidated buildings across, you know, in these little, like, communities that were popping up. Um, and I think the reason why the Midwest was hit the hardest, because that's where our agriculture is. And, you know, it's like, that's what they thrive on that. That's how they survive. And so... Um, well, on the inside of the shantytown communities, a whole new generation of the homeless population in America gathered together in an attempt to find a way to exist among one another that they hoped would give them a glimmer of what life was like before they lost it all. As we have th seen throughout history, um, when people gather together in an effort to survive in their time of strife, they are generally left to govern themselves. Um, to some extent, when people are left on their own devices, no matter how well-meaning their intentions are, they can't always shake off the depression and helplessness that comes with struggle. As a result, alcohol consumption and criminal behavior increase in an effort to cope. Cleveland's well-known shantytown Kingsbury One was not an exception. As the little makeshift dwellings were erected next to the rundown buildings and businesses, they were quickly inhabited by individuals and families. Since there was no work to be found, many people found themselves with nothing to do for large periods of time. Um, so there is truth to the phrase, an idle mind is a devil's playground. Mm -hmm. Because in, in other words, when we need to occupy ourselves with productive thoughts and activities, otherwise we will, you know, we are more susceptible to depression because we're constantly taking an inventory of our failures, you know? If we don't find productive ways to distract ourselves, we're more apt to turn to drugs and alcohol and other things to, like, turn off those thoughts. When this happened with Cleveland area residents, the crime level increased dramatically. So they brought in Elliot Ness, thinking, oh, you know, he cleaned up Chicago. Um, and then one reporter stated this when that happened. Cleveland got their first look at Elliot Ness in August of 1934, America's seventh largest city with a population of just under 1 million, which was a lot back in the 1930s. Mm -hmm. Cleveland was infested with so much crime and corruption that it had earned a reputation as an untamed town. Um, and considering he had just, you know, was instrumental in capturing El Al Capone, Clevelanders looked at him as they were his, as if he were their savior. Um, little did the public or Ness realize that at that time, the mad butcher of Kingsbury run wasn't just starting. He was his crime spree. He was actively involved in it. Um, as it turns out, uh, he would become Ness's unbeatable nemesis. 
And actually, the killer was a nemesis for many others as well, including uh, the largest homicide investi- investigation team ever to be assembled in the United States at that da- to that date. As many as 2,400 law enforcement officials uh, at the city, county, state, and federal levels. Holy shit. Yeah, no shit, yo. That's more than, I mean, like, even Oregon has, I think. <laughs> Scary. Uh, I want to give you an idea about the authorities were thinking at the time. Not long after the body parts of the Mad Butcher's first victim, who was referred to as the Lady in the Lake, were discovered, a reporter for the Cleveland Plain Dealer was able to get an interview with Inspector Cornelius W. Cody. During the interview, the reporter asked Cody if, if this, quote, was the perfect crime. In response, he said, no, but so close to perfect that we don't know what to do next. That statement alone explains why Cleveland residents were so afraid. After all, if it didn't appear as if the police department had any confidence they would catch the killer, why could they? Oh, exactly. exactly. I mean, that basically <laughs> said, yeah, I mean, that was the first victim they found. It's like, you know, but, you know, we don't know what to do now. You know, that would, Jesus. I would just spend the, you know, I'm moving. I think I'm going to move to a different I, I state. Think I'm, I'm, I'm packing. I'm going to Canada. Okay. Now I want to talk about um, the victims here. Um, Basically, I'm I'm trying to give you basically, you know, obviously we don't know who they are except for two, but I want to tell you how they were discovered, what parts of them were discovered, and try to give you because not they were not discovered in the order of which they they were killed. So I'm going to give you the discovery order and then let you know their kill order as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, so you kind of have an idea of what's going on, and then that'll help explain the profiling later. But um, I did gather m- the information I found on the victims from two authors, uh, James Jessen. Oh, God, I hope his name is Badal and not Battle. B-A-D-A-L. And he wrote He's the book. Badal. I know. He wrote the book In the Wake of the Butcher. And then Marilyn Bardsley, she wrote The Kingsbury Run Murders. Um, <clears throat> now, I'm going to talk. This one is labeled as Victim Zero. And instead of victim one, because it was the first body found, but she wasn't identified as being his victim until much later. So they couldn't like throw her in there and then rename them all. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So this was the first victim to be discovered. Um, Okay. No, I just explained that numbering process. Okay. So she is Jane Doe number one, AKA the lady in the lake. Um, she was discovered on September 5th, 1934, and her date of death was approximately March of 1934. Even though there were six months from her estimated time of death until her remains were discovered, the authorities were able to determine that her body parts were only in the water for approximately three months. So he held on to those body parts somehow. Now, we don't know because she wasn't identified as one of his victims till later where she came in the kill order. Okay. She was a white female, mid to late thirties, approximately 120 pounds, five foot, six inches tall. Upon discovery, the lower portion of her torso from her waist to her knees was on the shore of Lake Erie's Euclid beach, which is why lady in the lake. Gotcha, it makes sense. Yeah, a portion of her rib cage and the spinal column was located approximately two days later. Okay? The mutilation involved. 
the killer had completely decapitated her and bisected her torso with a sharp cutting tool, presumably a sharp knife. Uh, the method in which the bisection was completed, it's believed the suspect had more than just a basic knowledge of the human anatomy. Despite that, the victim's right arm was crudely cut off, presumably with a saw. Appearance, or the appearance her, when her remains were discovered, her skin was reddish in color. Upon further testing, the authorities were able to determine that the killer had preserved her body parts in the chemical compound chloride of lime. Now, additional notes. The victim's head has not been located to this date. So then the cops should have been asking themselves in retrospect. If you're going to hide a body mm-hmm. and you're going to preserve it, mm-hmm. what do you need? A big-ass freezer. You need space. Oh, yeah, I get into that a little bit later. And a freezer would help. But, but you if you have space. the lime, then that's going to deter on the, Yeah. Exactly. The, 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 the lime and the, I would assume the sodium-based chemical, too, yeah. um, would preserve it from, from rotting mm-hmm. as, as probably quite a bit. Probably. But you still need space. Yeah, because chlorine of lime makes it sound like there's like a chlorine and sodium compound in with the lime. Because um, if you're living in a shanty yeah. that you built, you know. It's got basic plumbing, <laughs> if that. If that, and you're like, it, this is made out of, they made their, these shanties out of fucking spare cardboard and tin and shit like that, but you're They're like. probably no bigger than those, like, two-room tents we see on the highway. And that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. They can't be any bigger than that, or even if they're as big as, like, you know, my front room right here, which isn't very big. Um, even if there was a solid wall like that one right there, I can hear people, because my bedroom's on the other side of that. Oh, I know. I can hear people in here. So, See, I find it hard when you're in your room talking on your phone. I can't hardly hear you, but I can hear your neighbor on the other side of your wall. Yeah, me too. That's weird. Because she is. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, Becca's kind of awesome. I like her. Yeah. Her dog scared my dog one day, but whatever. But, yeah, so you no, need... Oh, yeah, you, totally. But b- bottom line is, people are going to notice if, you, if you're storing a body. Mm-hmm. They're going to notice sounds if you're doing anything in there. Oh, totally. But they're going to notice that smell. Exactly. That chemical's got to have a smell. Got to. Yeah, because even lime, you know, quick lime has this odor to it. Right. Even when it's not on a corpse. And smells that are out of the ordinary mm-hmm. get people's attention. Oh, yeah. Even if they don't have my olfactory well, senses. No, and I was going to say, even then, because, you know, in the shanty towns, they probably didn't have running water or plumbing or anything, mm-hmm. but it still doesn't taste like, I mean, taste, smell like deceased decomposing body. There's a right. distinct odor. Right. You have that, that overtone of that chemical smell. I was going to say, if you've never smelled a oh, dead have. body, I know, but I know some people haven't. If you've never smelled it, you will never forget the smell when you do. It's <clears> distinct. So I wouldn't be looking at any of the residents of the shantytown. And I don't even want to know how you know what a dead body smells like, Scott. I've been around the block once or twice. I've had adventures. Anyway. Just, no, you date Granny, so. Yeah. No, but I wouldn't think it'd be anybody in the shantytown. Because this person has got to have space to safely store right. a body. Right. Exactly. Hang on. I got to text my son. So that limits down your victim pool. Yeah, exactly. You it know? does. You take everybody who's who, who doesn't have that space mm-hmm. out of the fucking equation. Exactly. Now you're looking for somebody who has access to... The space 
but it's a secret space. So it's not going to be some abandoned Is building. Is that like a secret lover? Secret space lover. That's why I take half of my. Uh, yeah. That's why I take half my grannies. I take, regret asking you. You're gonna take your mom on a date there too. I'm but, gonna hate you. Um, so you can't do it in just any random abandoned mm-hmm. building, right? right? Because what happens to abandoned buildings? Well, people get drunk, they break out windows, they they're trying to live inside, ends, all that. Yeah. <laughs> so it can't be a random building mm-hmm. because why? Why can't it? Because it's fucking the chance of discovery. Yeah, because chances are if it's an abandoned building, somebody knows about it and they're going to bring their family to live there. Yeah. Especially during that time. Yeah, so it, it can't just be that. Mm-hmm. It has to be a private place mm-hmm. where you've got good access where people can't really or won't really notice what you're doing. Right. Because if you move a body in there and you're going to dispose of it later on out in public, you got to move the body back out. Right. If you're moving chemicals in, you've got to move chemicals out. Right. So that's just my thought. Go ahead. Oh, no. I mean, you're kind of getting into my profile a little oh, bit. But sorry. My, no, you my, always do my, something. My brain runs a thousand miles a minute. Oh, no, I understand because I was the same way. You okay? Your head's all cocked. Okay. Yeah, my neck hurts. Need, need I told you I fell asleep on my brother's couch. Oh, yeah. No, Woke up with pussy it hair like everywhere. Tenses. I took some of your potassium already, but it's still tensing up. But thank you for asking. I didn't even notice I was doing it until you pointed it out to me. You're all hunchback and no game over there. I mean, there. I just do it as a precautionary thing now. You look like Quasimodo going Keep on it up. over there. That's what you did. You know what? I'm not an animal. Shut up, Dick. <laughs> I tell you that all the time. Does it stop you? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Anyways, um, so victim number one, John Doe number one. He was the first linked victim found at the time. Excuse me. Um, he was found September 23rd, 1935, and his estimated date of death was September 13th, 1935. And he was approximately victim number two of 13. Excuse me. No, one of 13. My bad. I put it, I should have switched them both around, but that's fine. Um, he was a white male, mid forties, approximately one hundred sixty-five pounds and five foot six. Um, when his body was discovered, his body parts were displayed out in the open. Um, the mutilation that occurred were was that um, the killer removed his head, obviously, um, and the cause of death was actually determined to be the the mid cervical, the mid clavicle decap- decapitation. So that's how the guy died. Was being decapitated. Um, did did they did he chop apart all the body? Oh, okay, so different body parts, right? Well, yeah, you'll see what ha- you'll see here in a minute. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, he didn't he didn't dismember and bisect all of them, but he did cut off various pieces of all of them. You know what I mean? Like some of them, he took their arms, their legs, everything, and some of them, he just took random parts. Other than their head, everybody was decapitated. Um, he ran out of time. He ran out of time. No, this... I'm sorry, my, my, my brain... No, wait, wait, wait. No, let me finish this, and then I know where you're going with this because I've had the same thought, but I didn't share it... Until, I wasn't sharing it until the end, but let me finish this okay, because I know exactly what you're thinking because I thought the same thing too, and what I'm going to say next is going to bring it right down to you. Okay. Anyways, he... Um, body and the cause of death was determined to be this mid-clavicle decapitation, and it was also later revealed that his left 
testicle had been removed. Nobody found it. Okay. When they found him, his skin resembled those of Jane Doe number one, victim zero, in appearance with the reddish coloring. Unlike her, the killer had set fire to this victim's body almost immediately, which caused it to sear. At autopsy, ligature marks were discovered on the wrist of victim on the wrist of victim one, which led the medical examiner to believe the killer had kept him bound prior to the murder. And it's also possible that the victim was still conscious when the killer removed his head. An additional note, after a more thorough search of the area, victim one's head was found buried in close proximity to where the rest of the remains were discovered. Now, you got a little ahead of me because you didn't know about the burning part, but that's exactly what I thought. There's a sexual connotation to that. If he's removing the testicle, keeping him bound, there's there's a there's a sexual element to that. Oh yeah, they talk about how it's a deviant f- sexual fantasies. I'm just I'm, I'm throwing out what I what, what's coming to my head. No, but the fact he, that you said he he ran out of time, it's like I didn't even tell you about the burning yet. He ran out of time. Yeah, that's why some of his victims are so, some of them. You, I'm I'm thinking you're going to find some of them. That have just been decapitated with and and maybe really rough cut marks, and some that were done very very precise. Yeah, you think so, huh? I that's what I'm. Thinking. I'm only on victim number two, Scott. And and, and let me tell you why, because I think in those instances right there, something interrupted the process. If it's what I'm thinking, something. And with that something, you have to ask yourself, what could that something be? Well, if you take, uh, I'm probably like when Bobby Joe Long. I probably heard that noise fucking... and took the one lady from one area, took her to another area to kill her. Now, I'm probably ruining the whole mm. podcast right here, but yeah, go ahead. If you're okay, so I won't tell you if you're right or wrong. I'll just listen to you. You you have a you have a private place mm-hmm. where you can have your victims. You can have them obviously tied up. Mm-hmm. You've actually got it so private you can set them on fire and sear them. Mm-hmm. Okay, what would interrupt you in a place like that? Well, if you have a basement in your own home. That's pretty private. What can interrupt you? Knock on the oh, door. Oh, yeah. A phone call. Ring, ring. Well, let's talk about Jerry Brutus. How his friend showed up when he had that dead body out in the shed. Um, <laughs> a friend who may have slight access. You know, maybe you left your door unlocked. And your friend's like, hey, Oh, Bob, yeah, the knock and walk like I do you. <laughs> are, Bob, are you down there? And going to his basement. Something's interrupting him. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's happened more than once, but he had a contingency plan because his friend or whatever is going to come back, send him away for something like, hey, you know what would be great right now? Why don't you go up to the store and get us a bottle of whiskey? Yeah. Now he's got time, and that's what this man needs. This mm-hmm. is what I feel. I feel he, he needs time, but he's got because he needs to compress what he's doing right. down from hours of doing it to minutes mm-hmm. so what do you do instead of being taking your time and, and enjoying the surgical cutting you take a saw it could be i don't think they had power saws back then but they might have but you at least take like maybe even a wood saw and just just boom, but they had some it. sort of butchering type like high powered saw oh maybe he had one I mean, of those they butchered meat yeah, it could have been so yeah, that's just my. No, I'm thought. listening to your three. I'm not going to confirm nor deny right now. No, go go ahead. I, I had to no, get that out fine. of my head. No, I'm fine with that. It's 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 all just because I've gotten to the point of I don't want to try to stop you anymore because I'll just let you talk and then I'll be like I'm not going to confirm or deny. Just listen. Okay, go for it. 
That way I don't spoil it for everybody. <laughs> now, victim number two that was found is one of the identified victims. His name was Edward Andrasy. Now, he, he was also discovered on September 23rd, 1935. His estimated death, though, was approximately September 20th of 1935. So, after the last victim, John Doe number one, but they were both found in the same day, and you'll see something else here in a minute. So, obviously, he was, you know, number two, not 13. Um, he was a white male, 28 years old, 150 pounds, and 5 foot 11. Um, his remains were located roughly 30 feet from the location where John Doe 1 was discovered. And as with the others, his head was completely severed from his body, and his cause of death was also the mid-cervical mid-clavicle, excuse me, decapitation. Or is it cervical? I think it's cervical. Cervical. Yeah, I think, yeah. Because clavicle is here. My bad. Yeah, right here. Uh, Similar to John Doe number one, Edward... How close is... I'm sorry. How close is where they're discovering these two guys to the lake? These two, not near the lake at all. Okay, so they're pretty far... Okay. Yeah. I can tell you where these two were found. Give me a second. No, no, no. No, just just have to toggle. Just just go for it. just have to toggle. It's just... I'm just... Because... If you're discovering two bodies there, he's familiar with the area, and I think that's pretty important. Yeah, these guys were... Oh, my God. No wonder I didn't have it in here. They were found in the Jackass Hill area of Kingsbury Run. My name's Johnny Knoxville, and this is Jackass. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, yeah, it's it's really weird. Um, But, so... Okay, where was I? Okay. So, um... But like John Doe number one, Edward's genitals had also been cut off of his body. However, instead of just the left testicle, both of them were. And this time the killer just tossed those into the grassy area nearby. Um, During the autopsy, the medical examiner discovered that his wrists had ligature marks resembling those as like John Doe number one as well. And the additional notes on him are after searching the area further, the authorities discovered his head was buried in close proximity to where his body was found. And remember, he was only like 30 feet from where the other victim was. That he may have tossed the other dude's testicles and testicle and an animal or something. Could have taken That's it. true too. Because at first I was, t- it crossed my mind. Well, maybe he's then we consuming. Have to, right. Well, and then we have to, yeah, I did too. But then we have to understand, too, that he had killed the first victim on September 13th, and then this guy seven days later. So between the time the bodies were found, it is very likely that an animal ran off with the testicles. Right. I'm just, I'm kind of just tumbling this. Keep keep going. I'm okay. Just, I'm, I'm, no. I'm picking this one apart. Okay, victim number three. Also the unident- uh, is one of the identified victims. Th- this one is Florence Genevieve Polio, P-O-L-I-L-L-O. She was discovered on January 26, 1936, and her estimated date of death was the day before. Um, she is kill order number three out of 13. Um, she was a white female, 41 years old, 160 pounds, and about five foot, five foot four. Um, on January 26th, a few pieces of Florence's body parts were discovered inside a small picnic basket that was left behind a local marketplace. I swear to God, if you say Yogi Bear, I'm going to kill you. Okay. You're actually looking really serious for a change. My brain, my brain, my brain. Okay. 
kicking this around. Wait, and then on February 7th, 1936. Oh, back up. Does it say anything about her cut marks? Like, I, no, I'll get into that. I give her? it all. Yeah, I give it all in order. I give it like, I, I do name, discovery date, date of death, kill order, her description, the body parts that were discovered, and then I get into the mutilation, the appearance of the body, and then the additional notes. Okay. That's the order it'll go in. I don't know. Okay, okay, okay. Okay? So, trying to keep it all streamlined for you, Scott. I know how anal you are, just as much as I am. Let's see here. Now you made me lose. Oh. Anyway, so, like I said, 26, January 26th, a few pieces of her body were found. Then on February 7th, 1936, more body parts were discovered, which included her legs. Mutilation to her body. Her head was removed from her body, and it was determined that her cause of death was due to the mid-cervical decapitation. Her torso was also bisected in the area of her waist, and her limbs were dismembered completely. It didn't appear, though, this time, as if he possessed any skills in regards to the way he mutilated her, especially since the medical examiner determined that her limbs were twisted from their sockets before they were crudely hacked off. He ran out of time. That's okay, okay, oh, wait, okay, let okay. me finish this part, though. Okay. No. Uh, the uh, pieces of Florence's body that were discovered in the picnic basket appeared as if the killer was conveying something. Each individual piece that was found had been neatly wrapped in a piece of newspaper. And I'm picturing how a butcher used to wrap meat before they got butcher paper back in the day. And additional notes, when the wrapped pieces of Florence's body were discovered, the authorities searched the area around the picnic basket and not far from where the body parts were found, they discovered a brawn panty set that had also been neatly wrapped in newspaper and to this day her head has not been found. He's playing a game, but given that her death came the day before they found her body, he ran out of time again. And considering how crudely she was dismembered, yeah. Something is interrupting him, and now I'm just kind of wondering what it could have been. What could be so important that you can't ignore it? Right. Kids. A wife. A partner of some kind that lives with you. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm following along. No, no, I, I know. I, I, I keep no. stopping because I'm... Because you know me. I'm I'm like all four trying to solve this motherfucker. You can ignore friends if they're knocking at your door. True. You can run up and say, Bob, dude, I'm just not feeling good. Yeah, or, man, I'm, not, I'm sick. I, I, I'm going to throw up. I don't want to get you sick. Yeah. You can ignore family members. For the most part. You can't ignore your children. And you can't really ignore your spouse or significant other. If they're pounding at the door? Yeah. No, you can't. No. This motherfucker was married with kids. Let me keep going. Now, victim number four, John Doe number two. Yeah, they also called him the tattooed man. Now, um, his body was found June 5th, 1936. Well, that was the initial discovery. He, his time, his date of death was roughly around the 1st of June. Um, He was a white male early 30s, about 165 pounds and 5 foot 11. Um, Now, his head was found wrapped in his own bloody clothes. A day later, the rest of his body was found and there were no 
additional mutilation to his body, but he was killed by the mid cervical decapitation while he was awake due to the con due to the contraction of the neck muscles. They were able to determine it. His fucking wife and kids travel a lot. No, no, no. I, I, okay. Okay. The, what I'm thinking, I could be wrong, but during the thirties depression, but maybe the depression didn't hit absolutely everybody. Maybe they still had plenty of cash and maybe grandma's sick and mom takes the kids. Cause you know, that's the wife's job. To grandma's house, we're gonna go take care of my mom, and he's getting interrupted because maybe they show up. Like, hey, I've got. They, they're not gonna be home till tonight, but they came home this afternoon at noon. Yeah, because this one he obviously took his time with. If he if he killed the guy while he was still awake, there t- that takes some effort. That is what's eating at his time. That's how he's almost getting caught. Okay, let's go on to the next one, Scott. You yeah, yeah. you might be on a roll. I don't know. Now. Victim five, John Doe. Oh, wait. Victim four was um, number five in the kill order. Okay? Yeah. I gotta move this. Um, I have it written on a separate thing because I didn't have it all typed up right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Let's see. Victim number five. Is that the one I'm on? Yeah. John Doe number three. Um, He was found July 22nd, 1936. And as it turns out he is the only victim that was killed where he was found his date of death was approximately may of 1936 and he was kill number four so he was the one that was killed in the kill order prior to the last one that was discovered that's a neat kill that's what i'm thinking too that's a neat kill he he, he, he needs- had to have killed her him <coughs> right after he killed victim three so something changed. Which was Florence. The one that he just ripped her arms from her sockets. Something changed. Because wife and kids are home, he doesn't have that time. They're there. So there's no way that he can get that victim. So my question, is, okay, this is what I'm going to ask you, because I don't know the answer to this one. This is what I'm going to ask you. My question to you then is, did he have to kill victim number five because victim number five saw him kill victim number three? Ooh, that may have been it, yeah. Because he was he was found right where he was killed. There was no ritual involved in that killing. That actually makes sense, yeah. I know. That's pretty funny. See, good. I don't have one of your fancy degrees, and I know a little something, something. <laughs> just putting it all together. Yeah. It's a big rat maze in my head. I know, right? Let's say her. Um, he was a white male, approximately around 40 years old, 145 pounds, five foot five. Um, this victim was found mid cervical decapitation. Oddly, he was killed where he was found. And he's the only victim from, he was also not from the shanty town. He was from the West side of Cleveland. His head was found close to the body and wrapped in clothes. And the victim was decapitated. He also was decapitated while he was still alive, just like victim number victim number four found, victim number five killed. Gotcha. And see, that's what's confusing to me is the out of order, the way they found the bodies out of order, damn police officers. <laughs> Freaking drink me nuts. Um, see, you can't get mad at the killer for that. It's not his fault. No, that's true. He's doing his job. Yeah. Okay, so now we have uh, victim number six, which is kill order number seven. Okay. This one's going to drive me nuts. Okay, victim six, kill order seven. Um, John Doe number four. 
found on September 10th, 1936. Date of death was roughly the 8th or 9th. Um, white male, mid-20s. And see, the age range is from like low 20s to mid-40s, which yeah. is such a wide range too. You know? But similar builds. Yeah, 5'10", 145 pounds. So maybe he was a rough 20s. Um, his body, the parts, parts of his body were found in a stagnant pool area near, near Kingsbury run. And his cause of death was decapitation like the others. And he was emasculated as well. But unlike them, unlike any of the other male victims, this one had his bisect, his torso bisected above the navel and his head also was never found again. So he had never, this is the only male victim he bisected. And yeah. And it doesn't say whether his testicles were found. Could be a gay victim. Maybe. Or had effeminate qualities. So he bisected. So he bisected him like he did the females. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, okay. No, I was just, you know, like I said, I don't know. Okay, now I'm on victim number eight. No, victim number seven is kill order eight. Okay, seven, eight. Now, this is Jane Doe number two. She was found February 23rd, 1937. Um, First part of her was found. Um, It's estimated that she was killed between the 19th and the 21st. She's a white female uh, between 20 to 30 years old, uh, 120 pounds, and between five, five, five foot eight. That's a big difference for a female, though. Um, it's five five and five eight. Yeah. Okay, cops, grab a fucking measuring tape. I know it's only three inches. It's pretty big, though. It is pretty big. I was gonna say, I know it's only like seems relatively small. I know, Scott. You think it's three inches is big? I understand. It's okay. No, that's not what I'm no, thinking. It, it's okay, Scott. I understand you. You think it's big. It's okay. You make me so sad. <laughs> Why? Because I'm making fun of you. Yes. <laughs> oh, you, whatever. You already have me in Pioneer Square. Naked and displayed. I saw. I just had you displayed. I didn't have you emasculated. It means you did some funky things I to just, me. They just like to pose your body. You are oh, such that a hurt. dick. That you deserve that. I do. I shouldn't have slept. I wish I would have gone up and gone into the bedroom last night. Said falling asleep on the couch. Um, where was I? Jane Doe. Okay. Anyways, she was found in the same location as victim zero, the lady in the lake. Oh. And initially. Her torso, her upper torso minus her arms were found first. And then on May 5th, um, the rest of her, let's see, her arms were found. It was determined that she was probably decapitated post-mortem, which is a definite break from the others who had been decapitated anti-mortem. And then her lower torso minus her legs were recovered second on May 5th, and her head still has never been found. So, yeah. That's not his. That's a copycat. I don't think, no, I think I think it is his. His kill method is decapitation. Yeah, it is, huh? So to decapitate her anti-mortem, or, or po- po- post-mortem, post-mortem, rather... Implies that somebody knew that this was happening and killed somebody to try to make it look like he had done that's, it. That's not his. That makes... Well, let's no. finish the rest of them. No, no, that's not his. No, I'm saying let me finish the rest of them. 
Look, I will put an asterisk by this one, Scott, so you can chill. Chill. But it's not his. Don't get mad at me. I didn't do this. No, I just, I, it's, it's in my head. I'm just, no. my OCD is just fucking attacking this one no, right now. No, you just don't even know how it's attacking me. You're attacking me. I feel attacked. Because the, medica- the, the medication that I'm taking is wearing off like it normally does at night. So I was going to say, because mine is wore off an hour or so ago. Yeah, my fucking OCD is like attacking this now and just uh, tearing it apart. number seven. Okay, now victim number eight. Oh, that's funny. We actually know who this one is, too. So there's two females. I didn't catch this before. Because, <laughs> you know, I've been so much shit in my head. So victim number eight, kill order six. So we're going... Gotcha. Okay. Now, this was victim named Rose Wallace. She was found on June 6, 1937. Her approximate date of death was just sometime prior to the day she was found. Well, uh, Doug, that, you would well, that's think. that's all they're saying, June 1936. That's the dumbest fucking thing. So she was killed between the first and the fifth, but you really can't narrow it down more than that. She she was killed sometime before she died. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she looking like she did. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, I, I tell man. you, I've been watching way too much Mad TV lately. She got killed to death. <laughs> <laughs> you think? Jesus fucking Christ, man. <laughs> can't even go on. That's just for you, Jen Oshler. <laughs> she got killed to death. What, why is that for Jen Oshler? I never told you that story. No. Oh my god, I thought I that did. like made no sense to me. And then you go, "That's for you." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> so, we're talking about her brother Charlie, okay, who had a friend, and I can't remember the whole story, but apparently he died. He got killed, right? To and death. <laughs> that's what she said, and he got killed to death. That I went, "No shit, killed to death, huh?" To death. <laughs> she told me that joke. Fucking twenty years ago, and it still is fresh on your mind. And I still but remind her. Just told it to you yesterday. Huh? God damn right, <laughs> killed to death. Yeah. Now, Rose's remains, her skull and torso skeleton were found. Okay. Oh no. Wait. Wait. No. I take that back. She was found in 1937. That's where I'm getting off here. And her, she was approximately dead in June of 1936. I, okay. I I missed the year change there. That's okay, why. and, and, and then I, when I got to skull and torso, I'm like that makes sense because of all the no decomp sense. and things like that. Yeah. yeah, there's there's no way in the 30s that could yeah. tell. Okay. okay, so anyways, they found her skull and torso skeleton were found partially buried in a greasy burlap sack covered in lime. Now, oh, I think that was a misstep. I'm like. That makes no sense. But the coroner, I put toe. The coroner <laughs> determined she had died of the mid-cervical decapitation, but no other findings were apparent aside from one missing rib. Oddly, this is the first and only African-American victim, unlike any of the others. She was also intentionally hidden. That's not, that's not oh, his. I, no, wait, I have, a th- I have a theory a little later. Okay, but but the fact that she was um, intentionally hidden, I think there's a reason for it. And I have a theory. But so far, he's displaying and making sure that all bodies get found. Right. But I have a theory, and I might be right, and you just need to give me a minute. Okay. Okay, ahead. thank you. That way, they're going to finish this episode. Well, you keep interrupting me. No. I don't mean to interrupt you. I know. Okay, nine. I won't interrupt you anymore. Vic- well, uh, yeah, I, I promise I won't. Go ahead. Victim 9, kill count 9. We're on track for a second. <laughs> 
John Doe number five. He was found July 6, 1937. Well, first part of him. He was killed approximately July 4th, 1937. He was a white male, approximately 40 years old, um, about 165 pounds, between 5'8 and 5'10. Now, for a man, 5'8 and 5'10, very similar. For a female, 5'8, 5'3, difference. <laughs> Just saying. That's the difference between knee pads and no knee pads. Oh, no. Now, let's see here. Um, his upper torso was found floating on the Cuyahoga River in a burlap bag. And then nine days after that, they found his lower torso. The cor- the medical examiner reported that there, um, there was a the exact level of rage, just savage rage, that was evident in his dismemberment with this victim as um, was, okay, the savage rage was evident in the dismemberment. This victim, the unsub, also took out his organs violently and removed the heart. A piece of his lung was found, but none of his other organs, and the victim head was never found. Not his. I have a theory about that one, too. There's a copycat. There has to be a copycat. That but to this. decapitate anti-mortem with all the dismemberment, the own, you know, the dismemberment to me sounds like it's almost similar to the one that he ripped her arm, limbs from her sockets. But the extraction of the organs to me said that there was a level right. of rage that that guy made him mad somehow. No, no, because he wouldn't do that. He would tear him apart. But ripping out those organs. But you don't think he would disembowel them too? No. That, this is not a guy who does that. This isn't a big guy. This is a smaller guy. Oh, no, you're wrong. I will tell you you're wrong on that one. And I'll tell you why. I'm thinking that he's a smaller guy. No, I'll tell you why I think you're wrong. Okay. But give me a minute. Okay. Now, victim 10 killed. Victim 10 killed count 12. Okay. Which means last of the known when they found all 12 before they added number 13. Okay. So. Where am I? Damn, Gina. Was he the only one that he disemboweled in all of them? Let me get there. Okay, fine. I'm pretty sure, but I'm not going to give it ahead of time. Okay, victim 10. Kill count 12. Um, Jane Doe, number three. Okay. She was first part of her body found April 8th, 1938. She died approximately April 5th or April 6th. She was a white female, 20s or 30s, 120 pounds, 5 foot 5. Now, first parts of her body found were her left leg was found in April, on April 8th, with evidence of an enraged dismemberment. And then in May, on May 2nd, you know, almost a month later, the remaining body parts were found in a burlap bag. Um, the unsub at this point was getting sloppier. So you de- see him de-escalate, you know, uh, what's, and that's called de-escalating, but it's called um, spiraling or whatever, you know, and he's getting sloppier. Um, there's more rage behind his um, murders, and it, there's evidence of hesitation marks when there weren't any before, which in, indicates a level of frustration somehow, okay? okay? And her head was never found. Now, victim 11 which was actually 
Two count eleven. I don't know about that. <laughs> um, Jane Doe number four. Now, um, I didn't find out when. Whatever. Uh, Jane Doe number four. Okay, found on August sixteenth, nineteen thirty-eight. Pres- presumed to die mid-February or April of nineteen thirty-eight. White female, thirty to forty years old, one hundred twenty pounds, five foot four. Unlike many of the other victims, her entire body, all in pieces, was found. So that means I found her head, but every part of her entire body. Her cause of death was the decapitation, and then her limbs were dismembered at the joints. And then her body parts were put in boxes and bags, and her head, and then her head was found as well. And she Jane Doe number Jane Doe number four was found at the same time Jane Doe number three and in the same location as John Doe number six. So we had three victims at this one location found at different times. Okay. Now, then we have victim number 12, John Doe number six, which is this one. He was found on August 16th, 1938, presumed to have died between December 37 and February 38th. He was a white male, 30 to 40 years old, five, about 160 pounds between 5'10 and 6 foot. Um, his remains were found at the same time as the Jane Doe number three. Um, and John Doe six, this guy's skeleton, skeletal upper torso and skull were recovered. And the cause of death was the mid cervical decapitation. And his head was found in a can nearby, like a garbage can type thing. Okay. Now victim number 13, um, Found July 23rd, 1950, first part, uh, approximately, died approximately in May of 1950, white male, late 30s, 160 pounds, six foot. Um, Like the other crimes, he was decapitated at the mid-cervical vertebrae. His limbs were found first, his head and torso four days later. Like some of the earlier victims, this one had significant alcohol issues, and um, however, I will give you this one. This is the one that they have labeled as a copycat crime. Well, they got more than one. Okay. Well, I'm just saying this is the only one that they've labeled as a copycat crime, yet all the files for his murder are now are housed with the Kingsbury Run files. That's why he's listed with the victims. Now, Information investigators were able to gather at each location where a body was discovered and the medical examiner reports from the autopsies. The FBI used John Douglas's formula from sexual homicide patterns and motives to compile a profile. Okay. And they did this later because obviously they didn't have profiling back then. Okay. I want to share the details of that profile with you now. Now, this is how they... This is the age they say he is. At the time of the series of murders was committed, the unknown subject was approximately 30 to 40 years old. He's believed to be a middle-aged man based on the age range of his murder victims and the somewhat sophisticated nature of his crimes. The authorities do not believe he is younger since his deviant fantasies had escalated to a level in which he had to bisect and decapitate his victims. In other words, that level of fetish isn't the opening state, isn't the beginning stages. It's evolved over time so that it has to be done to achieve a, the desired release. Okay? Now, 
his mode of transportation. Do you think he has one or no? I don't think he does. Wrong. I think this guy has a way of luring his victims. But he's not killing them. He's not leaving them where he killed them. He has to get that around somewhere. He has to transfer his body, the body parts somewhere. Well, that's true. I mean, if they were being found where they were killed, then I'd say no. Okay, then I'll go. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So So. considering the locations of the dump sites and factoring in that more than one victim was was discovered in some locations and some victims were found in multiple locations, there's one thing we can probably take away. And it's obvious he he either owns or has regular access to a vehicle of some sort. A large vehicle. Well, I didn't get into all that. You have to have a way to to hide it. He's not driving a VW bus. Think about this. In the 30s, Scott, that's all they had was big vehicles. Oh, yeah, huh? <laughs> like in my pants. Yeah. The, this fact alone, when taken in context with the type of crime and the era in which they were committed, one can conclude that the unsub was more affluent in comparison to his victims. That I agree And with. the only people who, because the only people who owned and operated any type of motor vehicle during the decade of the Great Depression were ones who had a steady, well-paying job. Mm-hmm. If he, if he wasn't more affluent than the people he murdered, then one can presume he is more than likely employed as a professional rather than a laborer. Make sense? That's actually what I already thought before you Yeah, said well, because that. that means he has to have the vehicle for his work as opposed to a laborer who could just, you know. Or he has an affluent job where he, ha- he can afford right. to drive it to his office. I think I just figured out his rage crimes. Hang on just a minute. Can I finish? Oh, fine. Considering the primitive state of the public transportation system during the 30s, it's highly improbable that the unsub utilized any type of public transport. The process and covert nature of transporting his victims' body parts from kill site to each dumb site make it virtually impossible to accomplish without drawing attention to oneself. Okay? Now, I'm almost done. Then you can give me your fucking rage kill thingy theory. The suspect, okay, physical description. This is where you and I differ. The suspect is a white male, approximately six foot tall, with a dominant right hand. They know that because of the way he cut off his, okay. He is relatively physically fit since he is able to get control of both his male and female victims to overpower them, right? Um, And then once they were dead, he was able to transfer their body parts to various locations across the city. He is also relatively strong since he was able to dismember and sever his victim's head from their body with basic hand tools. Some of them he wrenched from their sockets, Scott. He had to have been a strong ass motherfucker. I swear to you, if you tell me he's got super R strength, I'm going to kill you. Not saying anything. Finish up. <laughs> I wasn't yelling at you. I just wanted... However, now that you mentioned it, I have super retard strength. <laughs> just say it. Because you had that look. I mean, I really can't see you because you have the light blinding me. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, now I can't see at all. <laughs> <laughs> bitch, 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 bitch. No, okay. So, his, his level of intelligence. <laughs> Tell me what you think. High or low? Not low. His level of intelligence? Not low. Oh, I thought you said no low. No, not low. Like, what? No. Because yeah, he knows how to kind of manipulate the system. And I think... Oh, I'm going to get into more of that here in a minute. I think he knows something about the cases on a first-hand basis. 
because he kind of knows how law enforcement is a, is approaching this case and how they're tracking and where they're finding it. And he can almost time when he, so, they're finding bodies. Okay, I because I know I'm tired. Did you say something about playing a game a minute ago? Or did I hear, was I just thinking that or somebody else said it? Just playing a game. Okay. That's what no, this is. No, I mean, because you know how things catch up to me when I'm tired? This is a game. Okay. Okay. Well. Okay, so the Mad Butcher is someone with a relatively high level mm-hmm. of intelligence. The nature of his crimes cons- conveys that he is familiar with police procedure Boom. and has knowledge of human anatomy. His deviant fantasy is one that is highly developed despite his lack of preference when it comes to choosing the victims. He also gets a significant amount of thrill by provoking the media and law enforcement. The game. Oh, but hold on to it. Hold on to it. The way the unsub staged some of the victims is a f- similar to the way an intelligent prankster would behave. In other words, all of this was a game to him, and he enjoys how he can make people play along with him. Booyah! That's why I was a straight-A student in college. Yeah. I knew yeah. you would catch that part. Because you, you are a giant-ass prankster. Here's his rage killings. Are you ready? Go ahead. Yeah. You're done, right? Not done, done, but go ahead. Wife and kids are at home. They're not going in. They're not visiting. I'm stuck that he had a wife and kid at home, and that's what interrupted him. Because keep in mind, it's a 30, so it's not and like... And then the hesitancy and all that? Well, we'll get to that. Okay. Um, so the wife and kid, because it's not, it's not like now. It's not like we all have cell phones, right? So he's not like grab, the wife's not grabbing a cell phone going, hey, we decided to come back early. Phones are few and far between. Like in that era, some people didn't even have phones. I was going to say, even in, especially in the Depression. Yeah. yeah. So... It could have been one of those things like, oh, thank God my sister Betty is here. Betty, I need to get home with the kids. I'm glad you're here to take care of mom because you showed up early. Mm -hmm. And she goes on home, takes care of the time. Now he's being interrupted. He hears her car pull up Mm -hmm. or their car, probably her car, or she's getting dropped off by a taxi or or something. Mm Got to take care of it now. Mm -hmm. Go upstairs, get, get everybody settled down, but still... You've got a body. Down in your basement. In your basement. Or so, wherever. Yeah. So wife goes to bed and you go, hey, look, I'll be right back. I'm just, I'm doing some stuff for work. I'll be right back. You have no time. Right. You got to get this shit done now. Here's his rage killings. Mm-hmm. Because it sounds like all the end ones were rage. Kind of. Yeah. Well, the frustration level grew. Yeah. Because. Well, that's towards the end of the depression, too. Mom died. So wife and kids are home all the time now. Yeah, they're, they're, there's no reason for them to go visit anybody for days on end. Okay, so he's more. That's where his frustration is because he doesn't have the time to perform his ritual. He has no time. Gotcha. No time blocks. Because I was he, thinking, why is he even having him at that house? But if he's not, he still has that urge to kill. He just can't perform his ritual anymore. Look at the spacing in the bodies that are found. Yeah, that tells me wife went out. She's helping probably a family member because mm-hmm. that, that's really the only reason you would travel around. Back then, then yeah. Okay, you got it. And I'm thinking it's got to be her mom, you know. Or even his mom. Or, no, I don't. If no, because back mom, then they were close. Families did that. If it was his mom, though, he would have been pressured into going. No, with. not I, if he had a job. I think. Okay, maybe. Maybe. Not back then. But, uh, but some parent has to get taken care of. Yeah, I can see that. 
Now I will ho- entertain that thought. Now they're home all the time. So what do we have? I can't. I can't smuggle a body into my basement. Right. I can't keep them there and chop them up and take my time and enjoy it. I'm probably and, driving you nuts eating my pizza with my fingers. Huh? No, you're fine. Oh. <laughs> and and now it's eating at him. I need to kill. I need to kill. I need to kill. I need to get this out. I, I, I gotta get this out. Mm-hmm. Now you've got the rage killings. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take back what I said about the rage killings not being his. Right. I can see why. Even the hesitation marks is now you're. you're he doesn't bit, have the time to perform his entire ritual. And you're a little bit out of practice. Yeah. You know, and you hear something. Out in the let's say you're out in in the woods, mm-hmm. you hear something. Is it an animal? Is it a person coming at you? Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's where I'm at. Right. And um, now also the reason why they think this this other victim, the last one I mentioned, was a copycat is because his body wasn't found until 1950, and they didn't think he died until May of 1950. So it was like. Almost 12 years after the other ones. Yeah. So I don't think that one's his at all. I mean, it was just listed in there as a possibility. That's too long of a ways yeah, to go way without having long. some bodies. Yeah. And we know that he would have been killing in that 12-year period. Oh, yeah. Totally. he enjoys displaying the body. Yeah, he likes the game. Yeah, it's yeah. the game. Mm-hmm. And if he quit playing, that makes me ask, where the fuck is he? Okay, well. In that 12 years. Let me give you the rest of this and then, you know. Now, despite all of that, though, the suspect does seem to show some level of remorse when it comes to the crimes he committed. This is evidence because of the severed heads that were located, that were located, located nearby. No, I said that were located, that were found. That made no sense. Okay. Because they were killed to death. I get you. Yeah. Okay. That's evident because of all this, the severed heads that were located happened to be found either wrapped up, covered up, or buried somehow, okay? That signifies that either, that after he bisected, dismembered, and decapitated and mutilated him, he never wanted to see them again. Exactly. Now, the one exception, because remember, he did leave those heads in obvious areas where they didn't take hard for them to find. Right. The one exception to this was the way he disposed of the head of Rose Wallace, his only African-American victim. Her head was placed inside the bag and buried deeper than the other two male victims whose heads were buried. This says he was deep. There's a deeper level of shame when it came to her murder. It implies he was either ashamed of the fact he had murdered either a African-American woman or he had had some type of fling with her and was ashamed about that. I was going to say he she probably knew him. That could be too. I'm not even going to go with the fling. I'm, yeah. I'm not even, I'm going to take that out of the equation. Although it's a possibility. So that they know each other on a personal level then? Yeah. Okay. It's possible. Yeah. And maybe she found out. Could be. I still think that one that was murdered was Mm -hmm. killed where they found the body. I think that that was an interrupt kill. It could have been that she was asking, maybe she was asking some questions. Oh, could have been. Like, hey, why do you have this fucking lime sodium mixture? Yeah, these chloride lime crap. Yeah, that's what it is. (laughs) Chloride lime. Yeah. You know, something like that, and it could could have got him. Now, then where he lives, okay? Now, we obviously know he doesn't live in Kingsbury. No. Wait, wait, wait. I missed a part in there. Hang on. What did you miss? 
Because we've got dead air. We've got no. Okay, never. Mind. I didn't. I I said it. I thought I missed it, but now that I'm reading again, I'd like, yeah, no, he does, I like. He, he doesn't live live in no. Kingsbury. No, he most definitely lives around the Kingsbury Run area. He's familiar with it, the whole town in general, but particularly, he's he's really familiar with the poor area around the shantytown, which tells me he probably lives on the outskirts, or he works in or devil- or provides aid to that area. Mm-mm. He's a cop. Provides aid or works in that he's a, area. He's a cop. Let me finish my fucking thing first, Fine. Anyways. Um, the Lady of the Lake is not a good indicator of the unsub's location, even though she was the first known victim, since it is apparent that his... He is mobile and willing to be as patient as possible in victim disposable over a period of time, considering she was left in the water. She was dead for three months before he put her in the water. Um, Now, organization. According to this FBI's terminology when it comes to that word, he is definitely organized. No doubt about it. His murder weapons and ligatures that were taken from the scene and... You know, he took all of that from the scene. He didn't leave anything behind. And there's an obvious lack of evidence. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, His pool consists of some known prostitutes, unemployed alcoholics, and petty criminals. Stop, Scott. Each of these people had been hardened or um, affected by the harsh realities of street life. Yet... His ruse or con or ploy was so developed and practiced that they had no choice but to bend to his will and mercy. Scott, I know what you're going to say, and give me a minute. His fantasy ritual was so very was obviously very sophisticated, and it culmin- that it culminated in the beheadings. Right, that those probably weren't his first. Okay. Aside from victim five, all of them were killed in a separate location from where their bodies were dumped. The bodies were posed as well, including the breadcrumb trail to the limbs that he would leave somewhere else. Okay. Therefore, he had a large space, remote, quiet, in order to dispatch his victims. One victim, victim Ted, had evidence of drugs in her system. But the others were intoxicated, which means they're probably just drunk. And it's reasonable to assume that he lured his victims with some form of alcohol, drugs, or, you know, like sexual ruse. The unsub is definitely very intelligent and highly organized and knows how to get control of his victims without ambushing them. Go, Scott, you're itching. He's a fucking cop. That's what, He's exactly a what I was thinking, He's a fucking cop. And not just a street cop, by the way. No, I hate this it mother- when you do that shit because you get so far ahead of me like an hour ago. Because because th- this motherfucker's like a detective or or something close to that. You know what I mean? This isn't your street your your, your street cop going on. No, this guy's been He's in- able to. Because I'm sorry, even if he was a street cop in a uniform in the area all the time, would draw attention to himself. Exactly. An investigator in that area investigating the murders. Not going to draw attention to you. Motherfuckers, what, he, he was a motherfucking cop. Mm-hmm. He was a motherfucking cop. Oh, my God, Scott. Are you going to... Your fucking head is turning red. Are you going to explode? Maybe. But no, I figured that a long time ago, But and then you've been itching to say it. I'm like, you are getting so far ahead of me right now. 
God yeah. damn it. I believe that as well. Yeah. That's it. That's the only fucking option. Who mm-hmm. do you trust? Yeah. Who are you not going to question being in your air, your little rundown, you know, decrepit area exactly. that doesn't already live there? Are you going to follow Hobo Joe? Yeah. No. You're going to follow yeah, a cop, so, though. Like I said, when he offers aid to going in there, investigating shit, solving crimes is offering aid. It's probably Elliot Ness. No, I'm kidding. He's <laughs> over here just itching his fucking cocktail dress. I wish I could have honestly been in the 30s. I would have had this case fucking solved. Might have been hard to determine which one it was, but now, motive. Want to talk about motive? Okay. It's clear that this unsub chose high-risk victims because of their conditions and their easy accessibility. Yeah, throw away people. It's easy to assume that they will not be missed at all, and by extrapolation, of course, it's reasonable to assume they, they will not be traced back to him. Correct. Obviously. Uh, he takes a great deal of time with his victims, with some exceptions, and with the evidence of the literature marks and the uniqueness of the decapitation, especially because to decapitate somebody when they are alive and conscious at the, I mean, it's hard to do. Yeah. I mean, There's I want to move still. Going on. <laughs> you know, his level of rage, as evidenced by his mutilations, increased over the time of his, you know, his span. He went from cutting around joints and wrenching the arms from the sockets to no mutilation to complete evisceration. In his early murders, the bisection of the victims was reserved exclusively for the females, whereas the genital mutilation was reserved strictly for the males. Okay? At the point of the second Lady in the Lake victim, the unsub became more universal in his approach when it came to all of his victims with the decapitation, bisection, mutilation, um, that they all became just a stock in his trade. Uh, The remorse evidenced by covering, wrapping, or burying the heads was kind of unique, but I do agree with you, though, because to me, the thing about his... um, Whereas I just read it. No, about how he um, he reserved the bisection for the females and the genital mutilation for the males. Then all of a sudden, at like midpoint, it like goes out the window. It's because yeah. he doesn't have the time to be discernible anymore. Because he wife doesn't have that ability anymore. Wife and kids. Yeah, because it's either a the popo is hot on your trail. Or B, you just don't have it and you don't have that freedom anymore. And I think it's he didn't have that Look, freedom. Like, come and take here. Because he he is working for the cops. Mm-hmm. So he knows how to avoid them. Totally. He's probably even he probably even had first hand knowledge in his hands on the case itself. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking he was an investigator of some sort. So the only thing is that I can think Just look I, at how long D'Angelo got away with his crimes. I think that adds credence to what I had said with yeah. basement. Wife goes out taking care of a sick relative. That gives you time. Yeah. You know, it gives you large blocks of time. Yeah, because they're trying to say that he started to de-escalate, you know. And um, I don't think that was the case at all because he wasn't being discernible at all. There was no, it was not like he was still performing the same rituals on him, only there was the added frustration and rage. It was like. You know, Get it done quick. It was like a whole fucking mosaic in there. Yeah. It's just like, I have a victim. I need to do what I need to do. I don't exactly. have time to separate whether it's male or female. 
So, but yeah. That's all my comments on it. Yeah. Now, um, there is some, like, things out there about who a possible suspect could be. But to me, it, like, makes no sense. Because they tried to say it was some um, mental health patient who had escaped. And I don't know. Because a mental health patient would not be that fucking organized. No. It it is physically impossible for a mental health patient to have done that. And here is why. He escaped, right? Where's his private room? Where is he doing it at? Yeah. How is this escape patient having this privacy to do what he wants to do? You also said that this is what, like, Elliot Ness and them were saying back then. I just want to throw this in there because it kind of irritates me because it's like, to me, it's so far off base. But they're try- he was trying to say that it was uh, reasonable to assume that the unsub grew up with a mother and father of lesser means living in the same type of shanty like area as the shanty town. No. And he was taking out hatred on both of his parents by killing his victims. No, not e- sorry, Ness. And that he was cleaning no. up the city. I don't believe that to no. be true at all. No, no. I think that the shanty town gave him a freaking plethora of I mean like that was his sh- plenty of fish in the sea to choose from. Exactly. No, that Yeah, I don't think it had anything to do with this. Ness pair. and his guys yeah. with that with that evaluation yeah. way fucking off. Yeah, base. and then there's the theory that he bisected the women through the abdomen to prevent them from using their polluted wombs. I don't believe no, that. No. I don't believe the men were mutilated, their genitals were mutilated related and mutilated and discarded. Um, indicating that he realizes the pain that the genitals have caused these men. No. I don't believe that. Um, I also do not believe that he was fully aware that saving this immoral people requires their dirty bodies to be destroyed. No. I don't think that. They're trying to add religion into this, and this is not about religion. Well, I don't think it's just that. I think they are trying to just, um, I think they were trying to appease people, kind of. Well, the you know, theories that they're using are very Freudian. And very. Fact, they're, they're just about fucking sucking Frigman, Sigmund Freud's dick with this with, with their bullshit. And yeah. everything they just said is bullshit. That shit there has nothing to do with your killer. Nothing. Right. I do say... I do see somewhat the level of remorse. And if it's not remorse, it... Because to me, remorse and shame are different. Right. To me, shame is I'm ashamed of what I've done, but I don't feel bad for what I did. And remorse is I feel bad for what I did. So I believe that he at least had some level of shame. You know, because if he's a cop, he knows what he's doing is wrong. Fuck yeah, he does. You know. He liked playing the game. Yeah, exactly. And then um, some have even said that he's proud of his accomplishments and... He began to even, after they found the lady in the lake, he began to, like, engineer the discovery of the bodies, which I totally agree with I that. agree with that, yeah. Yeah. And then some have even theorized that the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run was never caught because he moved to California and killed the Black Dahlia, but I don't believe that one's true either. No, no. Yeah. I think that he moved out and killed some more. I think so, too. In a different way, because yeah. he's not going to go 12 fucking years. Yeah. No, he, he enjoys playing the game too much. He, all he did was he changed the game. Yeah. He still he was still playing the game. He just changed it. Exactly. So, yeah, I really believe I did. I mean, because I thought about that early on, too, about how it was a cop. Because how else is this person going to get in and out of that area, not being from that area, and not draw any suspicion to himself? Exactly. There's exactly. only one way. Even if you were an aid worker, there are certain times of the day they will not go there. 
you know? Right. This guy had no problem going any time of day. Yeah. So, but yeah, that, that's my theory too. Cool. We're all done? I'm done. Fantastic. Remember that you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium and Crime Beat that's on Medium. And wherever you get your blog, just type in at BrutalNation. This, so <laughs> this show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved. We will talk to you guys. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.